0: Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si,
1: senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? And Glenn Leverens. <laughs> this is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> on Relevant yes. Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
0: Can't get enough of those happy baby noises. Thanks for joining us, Glenn. holding on the fort for the whole crew on Morning Air today. We've got a great hour lined up for you once again. It's uh, the 10th anniversary of the papacy of Pope Francis, 10 years ago today. My goodness, Uh, nothing more exciting, right, than a new pope walking out there and uh, greeting the world as the pope and uh, Pope Francis, 10 years. We'll talk talk about that with J.D. Flynn from The Pillar coming up before the hour is through, a story corner on the way as well. Father Burke Masters joins us now. He's pastor of St. Isaac Jogues Parish in Hinsdale, Illinois, Catholic chaplain for the Chicago Cubs Baseball Club and uh chicago cubs baseball club I think i said that right yeah you know the cubbies and uh regular guest here on a, on a regular basis with a great series on morality virtue and freedom we'll be continuing today looking at temperance a little bit but uh, anyway looking at sports a little bit off the bat here father burke always great to have you along
2: thanks glenn always good to be with you and uh, the excited uh, baseball season is right around the corner
0: yeah, John Morales, who's off today, excited about baseball, We're talking about the World Baseball Classic uh, on the big screen over the weekend a little bit. Did you catch any of that?
2: I, I didn't see any, but uh, I saw in the headlines that uh, the U.S. lost to Mexico yesterday. So uh, kind of have our backs against the wall now to win, win the next two games to advance. So a little bit of pressure on the Americans.
0: Oh, Father, I got to tell you, uh, hockey was on the tube for me. Uh, Minnesota, a big hockey hotbed, of course, in the state high school hockey tournament. You like a high school hockey, what's the big deal? Well, Friday turns out of. All of the hockey games played across North America. There was only one that had more people watching in person than the uh, Minnesota State High School Hockey League (laughs) semifinals in uh, St. Paul. And that was in Montreal with the the Canadians having a little bigger arena to play in, uh, 21,000. Next in line, more than all of the... uh, NHL games played in North America, uh, except for Montreal, was the attendance at uh, the St. Paul uh, XL Energy Center of over 19,000. So hockey, a big deal. Congrats to, by the way, for our, our Minnesota listeners, uh, Minnetonka, the A champs, and Matamidi, the Class A champs. So uh, watching hockey, loving baseball too, but uh, loving the Lord, especially through Lent here as we continue with our series on morality, virtue, and freedom. Father, I know you want to talk a little bit about temperance today and we're not just talking uh, you know prohibition and things like that at all
2: right yeah so just to put this in perspective you know so we've been talking about the the four cardinal virtues prudence which is to know the good and you're, you're getting counsel judgment and making decisions justice is to do the good uh giving god his due and giving our neighbor their due um Fortitude is having the strength to persevere, especially when we're facing obstacles. But now temperance is looking at helping us to continue to do the good and to kind of put borders uh, on our passions. You know, the example I like to use with temperance is like taming uh, a wild stallion. You know, it's got all all of these. It's strong. It's powerful. But it just kind of goes all over the place and, you know, with no direction. And when somebody tames uh, a stallion, they're still very strong and powerful, but they start moving in the right direction. And that's what temperance does. It, it helps us to see, while we, we have a lot of passions inside of us, we have a lot of desires, some of them are inordinate, some of them are not directed toward God. And so we have to use our, the, the virtue of temperance uh, along with our, you know, uh, intellect and will to kind of tame those passions to say, you no, know, uh, many of these are, are sinful, or some of them are just just get out of line. For example, um, we know that, you know, sexual relations outside of marriage are, are always sinful. And so uh, temperance isn't uh, so much in that area in the sense of, you know, moderation. You know, they say all things in moderation, not when it's sinful. When it's sinful, it's always sinful. But another example would be, like, I love chocolate, and chocolate in itself is not sinful. Um, but an inordinate desire for chocolate, uh, intemperance in the area of, of eating, you know, if I eat way too much chocolate, then it, be, then it can become, you know, uh, sinful. And so uh, temperance kind of ke- moderates uh, the goods of the world uh, and also helps us to stay away from those that are uh, objectively sinful.
0: Father, is it important to realize some of the challenges that we'll have? Uh, you know, there might be certain activities, uh, certain foods, certain things like that, that, uh, that we know tend to uh, tempt us a little more than others. Uh, you know, we, we might not suffer uh, not having enough temperance when it comes to broccoli, for example, but like your okay. example of chocolate might be something. But does it, does it help to kind of identify the, the enemy, as it were, on this battlefield for temperance?
2: Absolutely, and it's uh, like Saint Ignatius of Loyola talks about uh, the devil is like a wise army general, and he studies the enemy, which is us. You know, he's, his goal is to separate us from God. He looks for our weak points, and there he attacks. And now, again, somebody may say, "Well, look, well, chocolate is is nothing in in the big picture, in the big scheme of things." But when we're faithful in small things, we can be faithful in, in bigger things, and so that's why. Fasting and prayer is so important in taming these passions. So, for example, if I can, somebody like me who loves chocolate, if I can uh, tame through temperance that desire for chocolate, um, then I can be uh, stronger, my will can be stronger when it comes to bigger temptations that come my way. And so that's why, again, during this season of Lent, we we practice fasting and prayer is to kind of Tame that wild horse within us, the, all of those different passions, and to say, I need to direct all of these toward God. Remember, our, our ultimate goal, as the Catechism says, is vocation to beatitude. We're, we're called to be truly happy uh, in, with, and through Christ. And so, if we can start moving all of our energies, all of our passions, all of our desires uh, toward God, the love of God and love of neighbor that's when we're going to start to live a holy life, and that's when we find true happiness here on earth and ultimately with God in heaven.
0: Brother Burke, we're so often made to remember how God has helped us in the past, maybe remember how we've overcome some challenges, remember how we've practiced successfully temperance in the past, like you say, on some of those small things. So when a, a bigger temptation comes along, a bigger spiritual challenge comes along, we can go, hey, God has helped me in the past. He's God, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He'll help me now.
2: Yes. uh, I find myself saying often in the confessional, all things are possible with God. So sometimes we we go to confession and we're saying the same things over and over again. And uh, a question that I might ask someone in the confessional is, just what you're saying, well, what's helped you in the past? Has anything uh, helped? And if they say, yes, this has worked in the past, then... Then go back to that practice. If they say no, then we start to change things up and say, okay, have you tried this? Have you tried prayer and fasting? You know, um, remember in scripture, uh, they go to the disciples to, to cast out a demon and, and they're not able to do so. And so then they take the person to Jesus and, and he, of course, casts out the demon. And the disciples say, well, why couldn't we do that? And he said, you know, sometimes it, it takes prayer and fasting. That combination of um, strengthening uh, our our intellect and will through prayer and fasting gives us the ability to withstand sometimes really strong temptations. I just want to have people who are listening to, to have hope that you may be struggling with something that's been with you your whole life, and a lie that you can tend to believe is uh, this is going to be with me forever. This is impossible. And we kind of give up the fight. And the Lord wants us to to believe that, again, with him, all things are possible. To ask for his grace, for the strength to withstand temptations. And, you know, if we we talk about people say, well, how do I do this? You know, what are some practical suggestions? And I would offer, I would offer these three practical suggestions. The first thing is take less than you want. So, um this this may not be fun, you know, especially during this time of Lent when we're we're trying to practice uh fasting. You know, think about when we go out to eat, the the portions that we have here in the United States uh are huge. And like I was raised, you know, you eat everything that's on your plate because there's people who are are starving and it's 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 bad to waste food. So take less than what you want. Sometimes we go to a, a, an all-you-can-eat buffet and we go to the line six different times and then we get four different desserts. And, um, you know, we're, we're used to just kind of satisfying every desire that we have. And, uh, you know, and then it pours over into, it might start with food or drink and then it pours over into other parts of our lives. And so to start the practice, okay, maybe I don't need three scoops of ice cream, maybe I can Maybe I can just start with one. Uh, or maybe I don't need um, two hamburgers, maybe I can eat one. So start taking less than what you want. And I think you'll find, I know I have found that uh, my needs get met. And oftentimes, we don't know that we're full when we're dealing with food until after we've overeaten. So take less than what you want. The second thing is, <clears throat> tell yourself no altogether. Now, this This can be really hard, especially if it's something that you you really desire. Um, But the world tells us that you deserve this. You know, we we have a sense of entitlement uh, to the maximum amount of pleasure. Uh, Get what you want out of life. But really, the truth is, uh, God is what we we want and what we need uh, deep down. So the point of temperance here is not to take the joy out of life, uh, but it's rather... Uh, learning self-control so that we can enjoy less. Uh, uh, we can enjoy less more if that makes sense. We can find that maybe we don't need these certain things of the world so that we can enjoy uh, the blessings of God more. You know, my my experience when I was thinking of becoming a priest, I thought, boy, uh, as a priest, I'm going to be lonely, bored, and poor. That's how I, from the outside looking in, that's how I pictured priesthood. You know, I have to take the of obedience to the bishop. You know, I have to uh, live a simple uh, life. I don't take a vow of poverty as a diocesan priest, but we're called to live simple life. And what I found is the less that I have, the more free that I feel. And I think that's true in many areas of life, especially in this area of, of temperance. So start to say no to certain things so that you can say yes to to God. And then the third thing is to... Uh, get uncomfortable. You know, Pope uh, Emeritus Benedict uh, XVI, God rest his soul, he said, we're not made for comfort, we're made for greatness. And one of the great enemies to the spiritual life is this desire for comfort. You know, and so we have that term for certain foods, right? That's comfort food. When I'm, you know, uh, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we turn to certain things and we, we might go to that comfort food. That makes us feel good. But it's always a temporary uh, feeling of good, uh, that sense of, of being comfortable in the things of this world. And when we can kind of lean into God in those areas of being uncomfortable, or those areas maybe where we feel lonely or we feel maybe separated from God, to lean into God, uh, that's when our spiritual life starts to take, it uh, goes to another level. And so just to recap those, so start to take less than what you want, tell yourself no altogether to certain things, and get uncomfortable. Be, be uncomfortable and lean into God in those, in those times uh, in our lives.
0: Talking temperance today with Father Burke Masters. If you have uh, struggles or successes in the area of temperance, feel free to share today at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, talk a little bit about uh, the good or bad witness that handling things with temperance can be.
2: Yes, so um, that question makes me go back to college, you know, and uh, people, uh, so I was in Mississippi, I went to Mississippi State University to play baseball, and, you know, I was kind of known as the Catholic guy. I had just become Catholic my senior year in high school, and uh, I got down to the Bible Belt, and, you um, know, there's not many. It's two, it was 2% Catholics when I went there, and I started to realize, boy, I'm kind of representing the church here <laughs> as a 19-year-old freshman in, in college, and people watched what I did, uh, for good or bad. Uh, they watched, and I, and I realized, not in a bad way, that I needed to, I needed to be a witness for Christ, and and for the church. And I think, for the most part, uh, you know, I did a, a decent job. But I think all of us need to realize that that um, we are representatives of Christ, and people watch what we do. Uh, there were a lot of other I had, a, you know, other friends in college who, you know, uh, I a couple that were Catholic, and, you know, they might go out and party Friday and Saturday night and then maybe drag themselves to church on Sunday. And I remember other Christians who didn't drink would say, wow, that that's what Catholics do? <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, it's not bad. Alcohol, having a, a beer or a glass of wine is not, not sinful. But, but intemperance, which is overindulging— it's going to one, one extreme or the other. We can become bad witnesses, and people start to think, well, gosh, if, if, if that's what the Catholic Church is, for example, then, you know, I don't want to be a part of that. The opposite is true also. When somebody is living a temperate life, they, they have self-control, um, you know, they can handle the, the goods that the world offers in a temperate way, and they're glorifying God and what they say and do that can draw people to God. Uh, For example, when I was in high school, I went to a Catholic high school to play baseball here in Illinois. And, boy, the teachers and coaches had something that I wanted. You know, they had this peace, this joy, this relationship with Christ. And uh, just by the way they lived their lives uh, in temperance, I thought, wow, I want that. And it was one of the reasons that kind of drew me to the church so we do have to realize that we are, uh, we are witnesses to Christ. More than what we say, uh, people are watching what we do.
0: Brother, when we talk about temperance, we think a lot about, uh, you know, food and drink and too much of this or not. Other things, too, uh, need to have temperance come into the equation, including anger.
2: Yes. Uh, as, as I was studying this, uh, the different kind of capital sins, I started to realize, because, yeah, we always think about food and drink. But uh, you know, in, in air of anger, for example, there's a righteous anger that moves us to end an injustice. You know, so if you see a child being beaten by an adult, for example, that's unjust, and we should get angry and, and intercede. Um, and inter, uh, in um, what's the word I'm looking for? We need to step in. Uh, but however, anger becomes intemperate um, when it's inappropriate inappropriate to the circumstances. So if you find yourself getting, you know, angry, you know, really angry over a small thing, that's an, uh, an act of intemperance. Or if you seek to hurt others, get revenge, uh, gossiping, uh, those are areas of intemperance where, you know, kind of the, my my sense of anger doesn't match uh, where this happened. So the difference between just anger and uh, unjust anger or intemperate anger.
0: And sometimes we can think uh people, you know, for all the, the verses of money and love and scripture, uh, so many love to run for their favorite verse of Jesus got angry and he knocked over those tables in the temple. And, you know, again, it was righteous anger, but uh, so many use that as a defense for their anger in any direction.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so, um, if we go back to the um, the virtue of justice, you know justice is giving God his due and giving our neighbor his or her due. So Jesus was practicing uh, justice in that sense where they weren't giving God their due it they were making god's house uh, a marketplace and uh, and so he was he was angry in a just way to say this this is a house of prayer. this place needs to be a house of prayer." And so, yeah, we sometimes we can uh justify our anger in ways that uh you know are not not scriptural uh, another area that really surprised me in studying this was the area of pride uh how uh, pride can be a sin against intemperance um, when I exaggerate my own importance. Uh, I'm just going to read this list real quick from Saint Jose Maria Escriva Examples of pride and intemperance and it really I had to bring this to prayer because I realized, boy, I I struggled with many of these. So just real quick. Always wanting to get your own way. Thinking that what you do or say is better than what others do or say. Arguing when you are not right. Arguing when you're right but with bad manners or insisting stubbornly. Giving your opinion when being asked when charity doesn't demand you to do so. Despising the point of view of others. Not being aware of all the gifts and qualities that you have been given by God, feeling anxiety and fear in a sense of having a lack of trust in God, speaking boldly about yourself, making excuses, uh, being hurt when others are held in greater esteem than you. And the list goes on and on. I thought, wow, uh, all of those I can, I can relate to myself. And, um, I'm sure many listeners have heard of the litany of humility, uh, and, uh, it, it's almost like the if humility was written in response to these areas of intemperance with pride. And uh, that's a prayer that I keep close at hand, because I would say pride is, is the gateway sin. It kind of leads to other sins in our lives. And uh, humility is that gateway virtue. When, when we live lives of humility, um, it leads to other virtues. And so I encourage you, if you if you haven't heard of the Litany of humility to to look it up print it out and and keep it close at hand because it, it'll it'll help you uh, immensely in the spiritual life
0: well, Father Burke, we'd love to be uh, intemperate and gorge ourselves on more conversation uh, with you, but uh, the clock does not allow that for now. But thank you so much uh, for your great contributions. I always look forward uh, to more in the very, very near future, Lord willing. Father Burke Masters with us on temperance today. More on Morning Air as we talk 10 years of Pope Francis with J.D. Flynn coming up right around the corner. More of Morning Air coming up here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for joining us. It's morning here. It's a glad name for John and the whole crew this morning here talking how to reach kids, how to better reach young people in the church. Doing that uh, from the Diocese of St. Cloud, we're joined by Father Jeremy Plouffe today. Getting young people back to church. There's a lot of rebuilding that needs to be done in the wake of COVID and just kind of general demographic trends and maybe some slow to come back after some of the church scandals and the like. But uh, always, no matter how things are rolling along, we need to keep the church alive for the next generation. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about reaching young folks today and uh, and what that takes. And It used to be, Father, that uh, the, the pattern would be, hopefully, kids get going when they're baptized and show up every week for religious ed and uh, get confirmed and keep on going and uh, never stop. Uh, not an uncommon way it was kids to maybe fall away a little bit toward college and in return and certainly when it was time to get married and have kids and get them baptized and all of that. But none of that seems automatic anymore. Do we need to kind of uh, camp out on that reality a little bit and, and know that our work is cut out for us?
1: Absolutely. And and I, I think that's a, that's a great observation, uh, Glenn, about, you know, this is not uh, your, your your grandfather's church, you might say in that uh, that usual progression of you know there might be a hiccup or two during the college years but for the most part everybody is back in line or back in the pews and, and contributing to the parish not only with their finances but also with their time but, but we you're absolutely right in that we're not seeing this anymore and, and i think a mistake that that a lot of us will fall into and i'm just as guilty as anyone on this is to just sort of get frustrated and say well they should be they, they should be coming. It's their responsibility. It's their obligation. They should be coming. And, and while that's true, you know, the baptized have the obligation to attend Mass, you know, I, I think rather than just saying that or deciding that or declaring that, we, we need to have a, 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 a more forward-moving angle of, well, even if that is their obligation and they're not fulfilling that obligation maybe there's something you and I and everyone else out there, maybe there's something we can do to help them fulfill that obligation or help them even realize this is not merely an obligation but a great thing to do, attend Mass.
0: One of the things a recent study showed is that kids as young as 12, 13 years old made that decision to... Maybe as much as it's in their power to to quit going, those that would fall away. The falling away happens younger and younger. I believe that must have been a shock to several.
1: Sure, sure, and and, and certainly it, it still uh, surprises me uh, hearing those numbers again and again. Uh, of uh, it's certainly not something that would have occurred to me that young. Although I mean, I will admit. You know, if my parents would have said, hey, you can sleep in this Sunday, I probably would have been all about that. Sounds great, Mom, no <laughs> worries. But, but uh, to that end, there is something, again, something fresh in the air, something new in the water, where uh, questioning uh, any authority, the Church included, is certainly part of the mix uh, in school these days and in the culture of the young and it's and, and not to be excluded from the culture of the more seasoned adults, middle-aged and higher, where we say, you know, maybe I'm not quite so sure about the Church anymore. I'm not quite so sure about Mass. And so not only do we need to reengage our own self and make sure that I'm not just coming to Mass out of old habit, this is what I do on Sunday morning as opposed to Tuesday morning, but also make sure that, hey, I help other people realize, hey, Mass is important. I might not be able to articulate every single reason in the moment, but I can help myself out and then hopefully help others in coming to find those answers of why coming to Mass together on Sunday is super important.
0: And uh, maybe just a a little bit of uh, proper respect, uh, Father, to building that habit, though. I mean, going because you have to until you realize all the other reasons why you ought to want to be there.
1: Yes and and I I remember a friend of mine uh in college he was a year behind me in college uh, he talked about uh he liked to use that word naivete which it's not my favorite word but he 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 said exactly what what you're saying Glenn in that you know at some point we just do even homework at school because we have to you know we're not going to get to go out for recess if we don't have our homework done but then hopefully at some point will come to appreciate learning for its own sake, or appreciate learning because I'm interested in this topic, or appreciate learning because I want to have a career in this field, and so I better know that field, I better know that science inside and out if I want to be successful at my future job or career. And so there's, there's something similar with, with the Church. and like Yes, there, there's a sense of, yes, we have to go to Church, and, and maybe a vague sense of, you know, it's important to go to Mass but then also in that following through with that going to mass coming to realize why this is important making it our own and then just like the careerist get excited about doing that worship at mass
0: also along those lines in terms of not letting ourselves think it's so much of a a choice as much as well it's a it's an obligation but a happy obligation to be there and thinking of not so much even the, the jobs we can do as volunteers around the parish, but even at Mass, we can be helpful to others by being there. And it's not only for our own amusement or the feelings that we may or may not get on any given week.
1: Sure. I mean, in all sorts of ways of just inspiring people by your own presence. Just like, hey, John and Jane Doe showed up. that That moves me to... To recognize, hey, maybe I was dragging myself here, but John and Jane Doe came, and 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 golly, that might inspire me to to be more uh, fervent in my attendance at mass, or or even just the simplest thing. I mean, even laying aside, uh, as you said, you know, volunteering with stuff at the church, even just saying, I'm going to sing out, whether my voice isn't the best or always on key, or maybe I don't even know the the tune. But that can even in itself, that simple thing of, all right, I'm going to give it what I got as long as I'm here, that can move so many other people to just not only feel more comfortable being at Mass, more comfortable participating in Mass, but even inspire them just by that simple, almost effortless thing of singing at Mass to make sure they can be all the more fervent themselves in saying, I want to explore why this Christian thing is so important, because I see these other people singing at Mass and celebrating the Eucharist. That can be just the thing that, that pushes the person who might just be on the edge of not being so confident in coming to Mass to say, I want to find out why this Christian thing is so important.
0: Brother Jeremy Plouffe, our guest, talking about re-engaging young people in our parishes, getting them to stay, getting them to come back and uh, doing a better job of of both of those things. Uh, I think we we talked a little bit about that, you know, age around 12 13 when kids start to think a little more for themselves and enter those wonderful teen years, uh sometimes deciding <laughs> to, to move away from the faith a bit, but I think during those years for me, I uh, grew up and went to Sunday school, depending how often my folks would drop me off. Some years were better or more involved than others, but uh during 7th and 8th grade we had to show up every week for our Lutheran confirmation and uh, Learned a lot about the nuts and bolts, you know, put little pieces and snips here and there together. And then about the same time, the movie Jesus of Nazareth, which is one of the most excellent Ah. film versions of the life of our Lord, was uh, on TV at the same time. And that was a one-two punch for me to the degree that I was so fired up I even remember writing little graffiti in my math book that jesus lives you know <laughs> and i mean, how, nice. how crazy was that and so uh you know i was on fire at that point, and we had a pretty good youth group a really good youth group and and that got me going quite a lot even the youth sunday school stuff was good for high schoolers uh, let alone the the field trips and things like that that we would take but then i soon was drawn upon to start teaching the i think sixth graders myself as a high schooler because we needed anybody that was uh, willing and, and a bit fired up and and I missed out a little bit on some of the, the more learning myself, but I think to engage young people, people of any age, when they're at those points of being being fired up, you know, maybe it is during that intensive uh, confirmation education. Maybe it's you know at whatever point in life, it's uh, something you can tell if you're in their life, you're in that young person's life, and that faith light bulb seems to have gone off or started to burn a little more brightly. You know, let's uh, continue to to activate them.
1: You know, I think, Glenn, that that, that experience of yours in, in your high school years and, and, and middle school years too—that you were talking about—see, that, that just gets me. Like, we, we already have the answer. You know, we, we don't need a, a new program. You know, or or, or the, this complicated study of well, what are we going to do to slightly more encourage us a higher percentage of people this age to that age to attend mass? You know, it, it's it's. You know, no deposit, no return. Uh, another friend of mine from college—he was a senior when I was a freshman—he kept saying to me, "Like anyone can smell phony miles and miles away." But when we have your testimony here, Glenn, about hey, I was so excited—I wrote in my math, my math book, "Jesus lives," and I, I even said, "I'm going to help teach the elementary school kids," even though I'm only in high school. That's that's the the secret sauce. That's the hey. We have this excitement and right, no deposit, no return, so if I'm going to get something out of this, I better put something into it myself. And, and that's what's so exciting, too, to see when we have great examples of lots of great young people, whether it's middle school, high school, college, or 20-somethings, where, where we see them like, yes, I do value this, and I see the value in that, and they want to put more into the Holy Faith, and, and that alone can give a lot of us a great deal of joy and excitement and and that and then catch fire ourselves from their excitement but then hopefully uh, in all of us saying this is important to me i want to light the fire for other people to see as well to not get discouraged by the uh, lack of immediate results or the fact that you know maybe some people who we're really hoping we'd reach are not so receptive you know we have to play the long game if you will and say like you know what i'm going to keep on doing the best for the church, the best for the faith, and then hopefully over the long term, we'll get a lot more people a lot more excited to share what we already can see.
0: We've talked earlier, Father, about uh, a survey showing the different reasons why people begin attending church. And far, in a way, just blowing everything else out of the water was a personal invitation from someone else, hey, a friend saying, hey, join me, come along, let's go to this, let's go to that, let's go to mass. That was like 80-some percent compared to anything else, and I think a pastoral visit was maybe 6% and maybe 2% for advertising or any kind of fancy marketing campaigns we do. That really speaks to that power, and coupled with the authenticity, especially this younger generation today, uh, You know, maybe the baby boomers were used to being sold all the time, so they almost kind of expect a little bit of spin and try to communicate in that way, but authenticity wins the day anymore for sure. So uh, you know that that no frills. Hey, come on along. I know you haven't been there before, and there's a few things that'll seem weird, but uh, let's get through it. Maybe you can enjoy the message and uh, worry about when to stand up and sit down later and just you know, being honest about it.
1: you know, and I, I think so. I think so. and and everything from uh, from my own uh, limited experience of of even going to. One of the uh, the the local league baseball games, of uh, you know, I, I you know, as much as I love baseball, like even even for some for, for a local baseball team, I, 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 I find myself a little hesitant, like ah, I don't know if I'm going to go to a game, but somebody else just says to me, like, hey, I go sometimes. Why don't we, you know, get a ticket on the same day and we'll meet each other there? That kind of gets me, like, okay, yes, now now I'm going to go and see what this uh, local baseball team is all about. And, and all the more so with the faith in that it's, it tends to be something where we see the faith so often as, as this private thing that, hey, like, I don't want to tell anyone else what to believe. And, and, and just the, the frustration that, that this priest, and I'm sure every priest in the diocese has, when people say, like, well, I don't want to tell anyone what to think, or I don't want to invite anyone to Mass because it might make them uncomfortable. It's like, well, goodness sakes, you know, the, the whole point... Of receiving the faith, receiving grace from the sacraments, is to spread the word, share it with others, and and as as you were re- referencing in that survey, Glenn, like just the simplest thing is to say to a friend, a family member, a neighbor, like, hey, let's go to mass together. Let's go to mass together. Yeah, sure, as you said, Glenn, it might be some things might look a little weird to you or unusual or unfamiliar, but all the more, I want to show you what greatness is inside those church walls.
0: Oh, that's uh, some uh, great advice from Father Jeremy Plouffe from the Diocese of St. Cloud, Minnesota, joining us here to talk a little bit about reaching youth uh, for Christ and being able to do that in an authentic way. It's 10 years of the papacy of Pope Francis. We'll talk about that coming up as Morning Air continues, plus a new story corner. It's all on the way before the hour is through here at Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app.
1: This is Morning Air. Your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that in my body when it drops. Ooh, I can't take
0: my eyes off so Good morning, way. it's Morning Air. Glenn, in for John and Sarah today. Thanks for joining us here on Relevant Radio and along the Relevant Radio app. As we continue with the morning here, a couple of news things for you just quickly. Of course, uh, some chaos in the banking sector. Uh, A big bank uh, failing uh, last Friday, Silicon Valley Bank. A lot of chaos in the industry. Again, started Friday, the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, the biggest failure since the 2008 financial crisis. The Treasury Department, though, with some good news, moving to ensure that all SVB deposits will be paid in full, with depositors able to access their funds today today. That followed up on Sunday, federal regulators announcing the closure of a New, York, New York-based signature bank uh, due to systemic risk. However, FDIC going beyond the $250,000 guarantee, so folks will be able to get their money. If you're worried about that, maybe you had funds in that particular bank as well, but uh, Things not looking quite as dire as they were late Friday. We'll have more on that coming up at the top of the hour with Neil as well. The Oscars last night, you may or may not have watched that or hardly any movies in the last year. But uh, those who were in attendance, uh, whether they walked home with that uh, statuette or not, uh, they each got a gift bag of goodies worth over $125,000. My goodness, you know, I mean, it's it's become quite the deal to, to make up nice goodie bags for little kids' birthday parties, but $125,000 worth, over 60 items, silk pillowcases, a coupon for free liposuction, uh, some of the bigger gifts, three-night stay for eight at an Italian lighthouse, and a square meter of land in Queensland, Australia. <laughs> anyway, some of the things everybody walked away with, whether they won or not, last night at uh, the uh, the Oscars. Well, we are celebrating today 10 years of the papacy of Pope Francis. And uh, interesting story to, to pass along about how some folks from Argentina who were at St. Peter's Square when the big announcement was made found out that it was their guy. This starts several, several years ago uh, before my wife and I were dating and she was hanging out with a, a friend of hers who had a boyfriend, but it was just her and her friend at a restaurant and this waiter was friendly and kind of cute, and her friend wanted to get this guy's number. And she said, well, you know, my future wife said, well, you can't do that. you got a boyfriend. And then her friend said, well, you get the number. And so she got the number, and then they all were friends, kind of hung out just as friends uh, on and off a little bit through a year or so of college or so. And uh, this particular waiter went on to complete his degree, went on to, to law school, and then, more importantly, went on to become Catholic and become a priest, and lead his parents into the church as well. And I believe he was still a seminarian, as the story goes, but he was in St. Peter's Square 10 years ago today, 10 years ago as the new pope was announced. And Archbishop Bergoglio not on the top 10 list for so many, although it appears later we learned he came very close to being named pope when Pope Benedict was named pope. But uh, the name was announced, and People in the square with all the noise and confusion weren't sure about the name. So this future priest called back to Minnesota to talk to some of his friends at Mankato State University of Minnesota who had been watching on TV and sure enough could give the name, yes, Pope Francis, the one from Argentina. And so as they're repeating that in the square to one another on the phone with their friends in Minnesota, they happen to be standing next to a group of Argentinians who found out that day that it was their man who's been our Pope Francis now for the past 10 years. My wife later lined up by uh, <laughs> an interview with now Father Paul Haverstock to talk about that, and uh, he hadn't realized. Uh- who she was, calling as, uh, you know, Mrs. uh and uh, to be reminded uh, back in the day how different things were. But uh, interesting story and a fun start to 10 years of Pope Francis. We'll have a lot all day long on that uh, here on Relevant Radio as uh, we joyfully celebrate uh, 10 years of his papacy. Right now it's uh, time for a listen to today's Story Corner. Our story today called The Five-Year-Old Girl Who Asked Her Neighbors to Be Her Grandparents. The story from Caitlin Martinez. Bill and Arlene were the most amazing neighbors ever. I've got a certificate on my wall to prove it. It was just the three of us, my parents and me, my dad a truck driver, and when I was little he was gone most of the time, delivering barbed wire and other livestock supplies around the Midwest. So my mom was almost like a single mother. We lived in a small house in Brighton, Colorado in a neighborhood of 1970s ranch houses. We had red shag carpeting and wood paneling and faux brick in the finished part of the basement and a, a big yard with plenty of room for our five dogs and two cats to run around in. We moved there on my third birthday. My first memory is of our neighbor Arlene handing me strawberries from her garden through a hole in the chain-link fence. She and her husband Bill live next door. Arlene spent a lot of time working in the garden and I was always talking to her from our yard. I was a chatterbox and I think what drew me to Arlene and Bill as they never got tired of listening to me gab. I also think Arlene saw a lot of herself and me. We were both lonely, anxious kids, and that may be why she always took the time to listen to me. Bill too. It was a wonderful connection. There weren't any kids my age in the neighborhood, so I mostly played in the yard with the dogs. I had a lot of imaginary friends, a whole family actually, with a husband, in-laws, children, a best friend. No joke. Weird kid. One day my parents asked Bill and Arlene whether they'd watch me while they went out on a date. This worked well for everyone, so it became a somewhat monthly occurrence. Arlene and Bill didn't have kids. They had a spare room in their home, which became my room. I had a cabinet and boxes of toys and books in that room. Arlene and I would do crafts together, and we were always putting tiny sequins on things. Bill taught me how to ride a bike and later how to drive the lawn tractor and eventually a car, stick and automatic. He was always fixing something in his garage and always smelled like oil. I'd wander over to chatter at him and he'd always stop and listen to me, just like Arlene did. When I was about five, I had an idea. My parents were watching TV when I, I spit it out. I said, what if I adopted Bill and Arlene as my grandparents? My parents said I could go over and ask them tomorrow. The next day, I knocked on Bill and Arlene's door. I sat down in their living room and I said, will you guys be my grandparents? They started crying and enthusiastically accepted soon after they printed out an adoption certificate and hung it on their living room wall from then on i remember being surprised they took my offer so seriously not because i wasn't serious but because i was just a kid i could have laughed it off thinking of that moment it still brings tears to my eyes there is something truly magnificent about a child offering up her love and adults being so ecstatic to accept it every child in this world deserves to have enthusiastically reciprocated love. From the day I adopted them, I called Bill and Arlene, Grandpa and Grandma. Pretty soon my parents were calling them Mom and Dad. Even our animals loved Bill and Arlene and often would sneak out of our yard to go visit them. Arlene always kept treats in her pocket for them. In the winter, Bill would attach a snow plow to the front of the lawn tractor and would plow the block and all the neighbors' driveways together. One of my first times on the tractor, I plowed our own chain-lake fence. Bill chuckled in his laid-back way. We eventually replaced it with a nice tall wooden privacy fence. My dad and Bill installed it together, and they cut a small gate in the top of one section so we could open it and still chat. They also added a window at the bottom for the dogs. Over the years, Bill and Arlene supported me in all my dreams. They encouraged me to apply for college, even though I didn't have the money to go. And when I got accepted to Colorado State, they presented me with a fund. They told me they'd been putting money away since the day I adopted them. took me five years, but I graduated with a degree in forest management, and now I work as a forest health technician for Colorado State Forest Service. Since I've become an adult, I've learned more about my grandparents. They both grew up poor. Bill's mother died when he was eight. He and his siblings, there were eight of them, went to live with relatives. Arlene had some health problems and struggled with alcohol when she was young. Their lives weren't as perfect as they appeared to be through the fence but the two of them always seemed genuinely happy in each other's company bill told me once on a trip in their their rv that he listened to arlene talk about raising honeybees for 200 miles and he never tired of the sound of her voice arlene passed away in 2013 two days before our adoption anniversary bill gave her eulogy and at the end he said arlene leaves behind her husband bill and the greatest joy of her life her granddaughter katie after the funeral bill gave me the ring that he'd gifted to Arlene on their 25th wedding anniversary. It's a simple gold band I wear on my f- finger as a reminder of the kind of love I wish to put into this world. From Romans 12:10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves as our story corner today if you would like to give that another listen or share it with others you can always access the story corner each and every day in podcast form you can do that on the relevant radio app as well as at relevantradio.com. just look for glenn's story corner always happy to have you download and share different pieces of relevant radio programming whether it's parts of morning air whether it's uh, the story corner or any of the other programming you hear here on relevant radio great way to listen when you want in addition to you know when it first comes out live <laughs> lots of ways to listen in the modern world hey, and speaking of the Story Corner, we always welcome your suggestions, too. If uh, you've got a story you've come across and you think others would love to hear, maybe it's something you've written yourself, we're happy to use those from time to time, too. You can email us, morningair at relevantradio.com, morningair at relevantradio.com. We'll get the goof off, Lord Willen, again tomorrow. A little bit as John's out this week, but uh, thanks for joining us. Keep listening. Patrick Madrid next along with sidekick Cyrus. They'll talk Beatles, you know, and uh, everything Catholic as well. It's all coming up next here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app.